Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi. I'm one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Our panel members today also include Mick Wells. Mick has been part of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. He is one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. Steve Wilson is with us. Steve is a Christian author and computer game programmer. He is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Vicki Cundiff is with us. Vicki is one of the associate pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. She has also been an evangelist and a women's conference speaker, and she's just being used of the Lord in many different ways. So we're glad to have Vicki with us. Today we're going to be discussing a topic called God and Country. And before I start with this, I want to point out that we know in this nation there are many, many people who are professing Christians. There are also many people, probably more people, who are not professing Christians. And so for the purposes of today's discussion, we're going to be focusing on those people who do profess Christianity. So we live in the United States of America, and what I want to look at is how can we as Christians also be good citizens, and how can we as Americans be good Christians? So understand that I'm going to be using some terms today that are somewhat political in nature. Now, I'm not trying to be political here, but just for the sake of understanding what I'm talking about, know that I'm going to be using the words conservative and liberal and or progressive. Um, And along with this explanation up front, I want to make sure that you realize that Various positions taken by different people doesn't mean that just because you might have a conservative view in one area that you might not have a more liberal view in another area. I'm not trying to group people into certain groups is what I'm saying. Every individual probably has his or her own understandings of various things. So I'm not trying to make it like groupthink here. I'm just using these terms as a way of understanding where I'm coming from. Pete, I'm a conservative a conservoral. I like those new words like that. Mick brought up before how I call myself a Catholic Methorine. So conservoral, that's kind of a, a, a combination of those different things. And and honestly, you know, if, if, if I were to make what you want to call a full disclosure, I'm probably more conservative, but I'm probably a little bit more liberal than some of my more conservative friends. Uh, but I'm probably a lot more conservative than a lot of my liberal friends. So that's just where I'm coming from on a lot of these things. But that's me. And again, I don't want to make it a group think type of thing. I just want to say that we all face challenges on how to be good citizens of a country, in this case the United States of America, while also being good Christians. So let's start with the conservative side of things, and let's just make some generalities here. And a generality is about conservatives that they often tend to be the more flag-waving, supportive of the United States, believing that the traditions of the nation tend to go hand-in-hand with what it means to be a Christian. 
They generally say that it's a Christian's duty to support the government and back that view up with scriptures such as the following. This one is from Romans 13, 1-7. Steve, would you read that for us, please? Sure. The Apostle Paul writes, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Thank you, Steve. And I want to point out that this is not just something that, you know, I made up. This is out of the Bible, which we believe to be the inspired word of God. This is something that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it is truth. And this is what uh, we are expected to do as part of being Christians. So the next uh, verses that I'd like to have us read are from Matthew chapter 22, verses 17 to 21. And Vicki, I think you said you'd read those. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. So in those first two scriptures, we've noticed that, first of all, here's Paul saying, Hey, there are authorities. You need to submit to the authorities. There's a government. There's a government for a reason. As Christians, we should follow those authorities. And here's Jesus not looking like he's trying to overthrow the government in any way, shape, or form. He's saying, hey, if you owe this to Caesar, give it to Caesar. You know, Caesar was probably one of the most corrupt people there was, if you want to talk about a government official. Yet Jesus is saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar. But also, and this is a key, Give to God what is God's. So here's another scripture that I'd like to read. uh, Luke 3, verses 12 to 14. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to do, he told them. He being John the Baptist, by the way. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Now, I'm not here talking about labor relations. I'm talking here about just the fact that here was John the Baptist being approached by different people who were basically government representatives, soldiers, tax collectors. He didn't say, okay, if you want to follow Jesus, he wouldn't have said Jesus at this time, but if you want to follow God, 
that you need to stop working for that corrupt Roman government. He just said, no, do what you're supposed to do. Do it honorably, in essence. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. But that's because they were extorting the people. So he told them to be content with their pay and stop stealing from the people. Exactly. And that's the point that I'm getting at, is he was telling them to do the right thing, but within the position that you have right now. So he wasn't saying that it's wrong to be a tax collector. He wasn't saying it's wrong to be a soldier, both of whom represented the government. So one more scripture here. Steve, would you read, I'm sorry, it was Mick. I'm sorry, would you read for us 1 Peter 2, verses 13 to 17? The word says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So that particular passage starts out by saying, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And at the end, it says, honor the emperor. Well, you know, we don't really have an emperor in the United States. I suppose that the closest thing we would have would be whoever happens to be the president of the United States. And please understand that this is not a commentary on whoever happens to be holding the office at the time that you happen to hear this. That has to do with the fact that whoever is in charge, you are to honor that person. So there's really nothing anti-government here, is there, folks? Have we seen anything there? I have a question for you, Pete. Mm -hmm. If all authority has been an institute of God, and we are to be good citizens and honor them and so forth, does this apply to governments that are bad? Does this apply to governments whose policies are in conflict with the scriptures? That's a great question, Mick, and um, I'm not ignoring it, but if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of defer until a later time in this study, and I'm going to get to it more in the order that I'm going to uh, be presenting the information, and, and we will answer that, and if we don't, please make sure that you ask it again, okay? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> great. So there's really nothing anti-government here, as I said, and one more scripture that I didn't have us read that kind of tends to uh, support government is, for instance, in Luke chapter 7, verses 2 to 10, where a Roman centurion comes to ask Jesus to heal his servant, and that's where Jesus said, I've seen not so much faith in any Jewish person, basically, then then here's this Gentile who says, don't even come under my roof, Lord, just, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus had no problem healing the servant of even a Roman soldier. And ultimately, who was it that crucified Jesus? It was Roman soldiers. Hopefully not this one, but I guess it could have been happening that way, but I doubt that that was the actual case. But here's the point. There appear to be a couple of dangers here to avoid. One is that Christians should not combine patriotism and Christianity to the point that they mesh so much as to become almost indistinguishable from one another or combined into one thing. I read an article not long ago uh, by a man by the name of Nicholas Grossfield. I hope I 
I uh, said his name right. It was online that I read it, and the article was called, America is Not Always Great, Jesus is Not Always Nice, Resisting Politicized Christianity on the Right and Left. And this guy was trying to come at this from a, a balanced viewpoint, and he talked about this a little bit with the differences that we have to avoid coming at things from a conservative standpoint and from a liberal or progressive standpoint. And before I get into what he had to say, I think I'm going to stop right here for just a moment while we take our break for our sponsor. We're back with Reconciling Grace, and right before the break, I started talking about an article by Nicholas Grossfield, and this is some of the things that he said in that article. He said, if America fails or falls, a Christian's heavenly citizenship remains far more real, important, and permanent. If America flourishes, it is because national fortunes rise and fall according to God's sovereignty and mercy, not the filthy rags of stiff-necked people. Whoever controls Washington, God's people are to trust in him rather than in man, princes, horses, or chariots. And that last part refers to something in the Psalms about not putting your trust in horses and chariots or in human beings. So he then goes on to talk about what often seems to be strategies of conservatives, such as saying lots of prayers, voting bad leaders out, and overturning harmful policies and court decisions. And then he continues by saying, I support these strategies also. I guess he's tipping his hand here, saying that he's kind of coming from the conservative viewpoint. He says, Yet if done with a better America in mind, instead of longing most for God's glory and for more Christians, this could unwittingly pass by or step on the hearts and souls of countless unsaved, hurting people. So in other words, what is the goal? How many people have we seen that um, just want to say, yep, it's all about God and country? And their patriotism has almost combined with their Christianity. Has anybody ever experienced that? Or anybody have any um, examples of that? Well, every time somebody says America is a Christian nation, I think, wow, you are really trying to combine the two things, religion and patriotism, Mm -hmm. you know, and and trying to uh, identify themselves and the nation in that way. Yet I believe what they are saying, and again, this is not to be an apologist for one side or the other, I believe that what they are trying to say, and maybe they're not being successful at doing so, is that the nation was definitely founded on the Judeo-Christian values, including the Bible. But that does not mean that everything that does happen in this nation is by any way, shape, or form Christian. Well, what I mean is that people are trying to continue that legacy, uh, whereas most people in America would not identify themselves as Christians, and yet they want to identify the whole nation, shape the whole nation, make laws for the whole nation that still identify with them. Mm-hmm. Well, we can turn now to the other side, because we're not um, a nation of conservative Christian patriots here. There are other people who consider themselves Christians, profess to be Christians, who are on the other side, more of the liberal progressive persuasion. They tend to insist on the principles, for instance, of separation of church and state, oftentimes to the degree of opposing the use of the name of God in any public situation and pointing out just how much the United States, the flag, and the republic for which it stands are not to be associated with the teachings of Jesus whatsoever. 
In fact, they often point out just how contrary the history of this nation has been in conflict with the teachings of Jesus. Think of the nation's history when it comes to things such as slavery or its treatment of those who are now politically correctly referred to as Native Americans or Indigenous Americans. Think of the repression of women in the United States to the point that they didn't even have the vote until 1920. People looking at Christianity from the liberal and progressive point of view tend to focus on social justice and point to mistreatment of the poor and immigrants using scriptures such as these. And I haven't handed these out yet, but um, could I have, Steve, could you read Leviticus 19 verses 33 to 34? When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Vicki, would you read Luke six twenty-seven to 31 and then 35 to 37, please? But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked." Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And finally, James chapter 1, verse 27. Mick, could you read that for us, please? Sure. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Any question that those are legitimate scriptures? Does everybody believe those are in the Bible as well? Mm -hmm. But sometimes the conservative folks don't always tend to quote those, and that seems to be the kind of stuff that the liberal progressive folks do want to quote. And guess what? They are legitimate. They are part of scripture. And these things that Christians should strive to do and follow are part of scripture. But is it really fair to judge the nation primarily on its past and even current failings without looking at any of the positives? See, the article I referenced earlier also says the following. Is America good or bad based on the achievements or sins of a few Americans over a short period of time? Or should a country be judged by how its positive history enables more of the same while its negative history is reckoned with quickly and definitively? Now, Mick, this is kind of where I'm going to get back to your question before about following the authorities, even if it's not a a good thing to do, or I shouldn't say a good thing to do, but even if the authorities aren't following God's word. This is what the, the author of this article said. He says, remember the verses I referenced earlier from Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 talked about supporting the government and praying for governmental leaders. It's important to understand that Paul and Peter wrote those things in the midst of living in a culture that was far more repressive and brutal than anything that is lawfully done in the United States today. Now, does that make sense? I mean, we all have 
history that we can learn from. We talk about things that have gone wrong in the United States today, and, and believe me, the United States government has done many things that are that is not good. Mick, you brought up, did you bring up the specifics before, for instance, about abortion and, and things like that? Well, it just crosses my mind that as a citizen here, <clears throat> I can choose to not shop at a business that supports abortion mm-hmm. as a policy. Mm-hmm. I have that choice. But do I have a choice to not pay taxes to the federal government when those taxes go in part to fund abortions? Well, did the Jewish people living in Israel, Judea, Galilee at the time have the right to not pay the Roman taxes when the Romans were suppressing the Jewish people, the people of God, God's chosen people, and even committing acts of brutality against them. The same question, I think, would would be the same. And what did Jesus say? He said, pay taxes to Caesar if it's what Caesar is due. Because, Because God put Caesar in a position of authority? Is that what you're saying? Well, that's—I mean, I'm just going based on what Jesus said about paying taxes. I'd love to have uh, Vicki or Steve chime in if you're interested in in joining here. So I would uh, start by saying Paul and Peter uh, were both arrested multiple times by the authorities of their day uh, because they did oppose them. Um, You know, the authorities said, hey, stop teaching about Jesus, and uh, they— thought, well, we have a higher authority. Uh, Peter says, who should we listen to, God or men? Well, they obviously um, decided that they need to listen to God. Now, as far as paying taxes, uh, I've had that question before, Mick. But the problem is I can't separate my taxes. I can't say, okay, I'm going to pay this amount of taxes for roads and for national security and for uh, my local library and things like that. And I'm going to withhold this amount because that's amount that you're using to do things I don't agree with. So it's just, I can't withhold because I can't... Uh, control. <laughs> yeah, I can't control it. I can't, I can't do it in an equitable way. And so the way that I think God has given us a way to oppose those things is, well, we, God has established a democracy mm-hmm. in our country. That's the authority the form of authority that he's given us. So that's not a perfect answer, I don't think. But well, the, it's a good one, though, and my question is almost rhetorical. I'm trying to anticipate what people are thinking when they say, when the word says all authorities have been placed there by God and we give them what they're, they're due. Mm-hmm. And if the policies don't necessarily agree with our views, and more specifically with clear scriptural um, stances on on certain issues, then do what what is our recourse? You know, uh, we're still to honor the authorities, the the leaders. We're still to pay taxes, but I can see where a Christian could be a little bit confused. And, and maybe uneasy following through when their tax money, for instance, is going being diverted by the government they give honor to to fund things 
that I believe that are inconsistent with God's will. But I think just to, I agree with what Steve said, and to add to that, the democracy we live in, we can vote uh, if we want to change how uh, the people in Congress and the Senate, how they're, how they're voting for us, then that's our right. Because I think if we tried to interject and say, I'm only going to pay for this, or I'm not going to be involved in that, we would have a lot of chaos uh, in the country from not paying our taxes. But I, I certainly see what you're saying, and you know we're, we're appalled at uh, some of the things that our government spends money on. Sure. You know, it's the same thing when the government says uh, something like, well, you have to give equal service to all people. And a businessman says, you know what, I don't want to support uh, homosexual marriages. And so, or maybe a minister says, I don't want to participate in a homosexual uh, ceremony. Well, rules can kind of put pressure on Christians to uh, conform to those things. And I think that's a, a situation where Christians have to say, you know what, we have a higher authority, come what may. Come what pressure comes, uh, I'm not going to go into my convictions on that. I'd like to share with you a quote. This isn't from the Bible, but it's from a respected theologian, R.C. Sproul. It says, There are occasions on which Christians not only may, but must, disobey the civil magistrates. Anytime a civil government requires a Christian to do what God forbids, or forbids them to do what God commands, then the person must disobey. Mm-hmm. And we okay. live in a society, not just a society, we live in a world that is imperfect. So our society is necessarily imperfect because it is made up of imperfect human beings. So just because a ruler or an authority or a government has been instituted by God does not necessarily mean that every single thing that that government or authority does is the way God wants it to be. However, here's the point. There's got to be some balance. Steve, I think what you said was excellent about the fact that we are, we are answerable to a higher authority, because ultimately, where, where does the Bible say our citizenship lies? In heaven. In heaven, not here on earth. So it doesn't say we can't take advantage of being a citizen of the country. Paul did. Paul got out of a beating in the Bible, in the book of Acts, by saying, um, are you allowed to beat a Roman citizen without a trial? What? You're a Roman citizen? I didn't know that. Paul, you know, I can just see Paul sitting there. I've been beaten so many times. I'm going to pull the Roman citizenship card. And honestly, the bottom line is, if he would have been found to have not been a Roman citizen, the, the punishment would have been much worse. So he did that. Why? Because he was able to play that Roman citizenship card, and he avoided a beating, and there was nothing wrong with him doing that. But he certainly didn't always agree with everything the Romans did. So here's my question. So what? What about all this stuff? Some conclusions that I think we can include, and, and please feel free to comment, is this. Make sure that any patriotism that we have as Christians is secondary. Can I say very secondary? Can I say very, very, very secondary to your Christianity? Because our higher authority is God. Don't pick and choose scriptures that support only your side. You know what? These questions that we've been talking about here recently, Mick, the questions you brought up, I think it's important that we struggle with those things. Because if we don't struggle, we're not going to grow. 
And then here's the other thing. There needs to be a balance between altruism and reality. Again, we live in an imperfect world, so the countries that we live in aren't always going to be perfect. We're talking about the United States, but you know what? The same rules and the same laws of the Bible apply in every nation in the world, don't they? They do. So, well, I tell you what, this has been an interesting topic. I didn't get to everything I wanted to get to, but I hope that you have been edified by listening to this. So for Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Vicki Cundiff, this is Pete Vecchi. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.